everybody. Glad everybody's here. And uh, we're going to, as Paul said, uh, just be looking at some practical things about being the church that Jesus started this morning. I love practicality. I love how we actually are going to live things out. That's the way I tick, and that's what means a lot to me, um, that it be informed by theology, but then how are we going to do this? Um, so we are this morning going to look at practices for spiritual growth. And John David, you've got a slide that's got a scripture on there, practices for spiritual growth. And I just want to read first from Philippians 4, verses, verse 9. This is where we're getting the premise for this morning. We're going to look at a lot of different scriptures, but don't feel like you have to turn there to each of them. I'll read them. Uh, but you probably do want to make note of this one because this is the basis where we are getting this idea from of practices that we are involved with. So it says from Philippians 4, 9, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. That key word, practice. It's a good thing to practice things, right? Practice makes perfect. Um, and we grow when we practice things. So as we're talking about practices spiritually, we're not talking about rules. Okay, I don't want anybody to freak out about rules. Because Jesus doesn't give us rules. Jesus gives us grace. The Old Testament was rules. There were a lot of things that you had to do that you could not do, that you must do and you must not do. Jesus came and he gave us grace. Jesus empowers us to live the life that he lived. And so rather, practices, um, we even see in the life of Jesus that there were certain practices that he gave himself to um, that would be healthy for us to follow as well as his church. So if you look up the word practice in the dictionary, the definition, uh, the first definition that comes up is to carry out or apply. So really what we're talking about when we're talking about practices is we're talking about carrying out or applying the truth of God's word, the life that God has called us to. I'm interested in knowing how to carry it out and how to apply it. I don't want to just know about it. I want it to change my life. So, um, and right next to that definition in the, in the dictionary, right after it says to carry out or apply, is this quote, practice what you preach. How fitting. As Christians, right? We need to practice what we preach. We need to put into practice and get good at and learn how to do the things that we say we believe. So it's not rules, it's practice. It's endeavoring to put into action the things that we are, are being taught. So the whole idea of practice is to take a truth and to carry it out or apply it. Um, some other um, definitions of the word practice are the actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method, as opposed to just theories relating to it. I'm not interested in just theory. I'm not. I'm interested in the actual application or use of how, how are these things going to cause me to grow closer to God and grow in my spiritual walk. It also is the customary habitual or expected procedure or way of doing something, the way in which Jesus has called us to live. Um, Psalm 8611, as I said, I'm going to mention a lot of scriptures. You don't have to feel like you have to turn there. I'll read them to you. Psalm 8611 says, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Teach me your way, O Lord. There's a way of life that God has called us to. Not rules, but a way of life. 
And then I love that phrase at the end there, unite my heart to fear your name. Have you ever felt like you have a divided heart? Like your heart wants this, but it also wants this. And you're good at this, but you really struggle with this. It's like a divided heart. And this prayer from the psalm says, Lord, unite my heart. Let my heart be focused to fear your name. I think there's many things that we say that we believe as believers. And yet if you look at our lives, there's a lot of things that we don't practice. Even though we say, I believe in that. If you really look, we, we say, yeah, I believe in generosity, but are we really generous? I believe in loving my neighbor, but do we love our neighbors? You know, the list could go on and on. I believe in these things, but do we do these things? Our hearts are not united um, on the inside of us, and, and we can grow in that, and that's really what this is about today. I heard someone say recently that we should u- unify head and habit. Unify head and habit. That what we believe or you could even say heart and habit, what we believe, that it becomes our habit, that they look unified, that they're not separate. When we engage in healthy habits and practices, then the things that we believe appear, they become part of us. They become part of who we actually are. So practices are, are a way to unify what we say we believe with what we are actually doing in our lives when we put these things into practice. There's many practices that we can engage in as believers to grow us spiritually. I'm just going to mention a few briefly, and we'll get more in depth in a minute with some of them, but just so you know what types of things I'm talking about. One would be personal prayer and scripture reading. That's a practice that we can engage in to grow our faith. Um, You don't have to worry if you don't catch them all, because I am going to come back in more depth in a moment. Another one is assembling together. What we're doing right now is a practice. We are in the practice of doing this regularly, and it grows our faith. Another would be Sabbath rest. Another one, uh, or several of them, are actually communal, that we do certain practices together. Um, Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Those are four things that people practiced together in the early church, and we practice those things together in this church. And then Romans 12, 13 tells us to practice hospitality. Interesting, huh? So we don't want to just occasionally do these things or do these things when we feel like it or, hey, I haven't done that in a while. I'll try that today. We want to uh, not just dabble in them. We want to practice them regularly to make them habits so that we will grow. There's growth directly attached to each one of these practices. Um, Some are daily. Some are weekly. But there's practices that will cause us to grow. I already read this verse from Philippians 4.9, instructing us to practice. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, Take pains with these things and be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. So we want to put ourselves like you you would plant something in a pot and, you know, like let it be surrounded by the soil so it can grow. I believe these practices are something that we can absorb we can be absorbed in so that we're in the right environment for growth. Practices are like a trellis. Do you know what a trellis is? A trellis is a framework of wood or metal bars. So sometimes it's just horizontal. Sometimes it's like a lattice. Um, can be wood or metal. But it's something that is put into the ground for a plant to grow up on, right? Right? Sometimes a tomato plant or a vine 
grows up on a trellis. Um, and if you, if you plant a tomato plant and you just leave it there, lying on the ground, it will experience some growth. Some of you gardeners would know this. Uh, you might have a little bit of fruit that grows from that tomato plant. But if you, did you know that if you put a trellis in, in the ground or a stake for it to grow up on, it will grow way taller and it will produce way more fruit. So those of you who are thinking, uh, no, practices and things that I need to, like, make sure I'm habits, you know, make sure I'm doing, that's not for me. I just want to live free, and I just want to do what I feel like doing, and if I feel like doing that, if I feel led to do that, then I'll do it. Well, that means we're going to have less fruit. A, a trellis or a lattice is in place not to constrict you, but to ensure that you grow in the right direction. You, just like a tomato plant, are a living, growing, fruit-bearing being who needs structure to grow tall and to bear all the good fruit that God designed you to bear. We all need that. So it's not going to hold you back to put practices in place in your life. It's going to help you grow, and it's going to help you bear lots of fruit. helps you grow in a specific direction. And John, you can go to the slide with the tomatoes on it. And this is biblical because we read in John 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus tells us to abide in him. He says, abide in me, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So for without me, you can do nothing. And I believe one of the ways that we choose to abide, that word abide means stay. One of the ways we stay close with Jesus, like he's telling us to here, is that we put certain practices in place that we can grow onto, that we can grow in a certain direction. It's, it's all about proximity. I want to stay close with Jesus because he said here, if I abide with him, close to him, in him, I will bear fruit. So practices are a way that we can ensure that we are remaining close to him, close to his way, so that we can grow and bear fruit, we can fulfill the purpose of our lives, we can see actually fulfilled the dreams he's put inside of us, the gifts he's given us will be put to use, we will bear fruit for good use in his kingdom if we put certain practices in place. Another analogy for what practices are, the trellis is one analogy, another analogy is an anchor. If you've ever been in a little boat, maybe fishing, or just sort of bobbing around in a lake, and you're just sitting there. You might sit there for a couple hours, and it feels like you're not going anywhere. It feels like you're staying stationary. And then all of a sudden, yank. Have you ever experienced something like that? All of a sudden, there's, you feel the yank because you're anchored. And an an a, a practice in our life is like an anchor that we put down off our boat, and we live our life. And we live our life, and we, we do our practices some of the things we just mentioned. And then maybe maybe we kind of get sloppy and lazy and we kind of get away. Our hearts kind of drift a little bit. We kind of get messy and, and not as committed in some of our practices. And we start to drift and we don't even know we're drifting. Because on the water, you can't tell. You don't, you don't even know you're drifting from Jesus. But if you've got an anchor in place, a practice that you keep coming back to, like Sunday morning church is one of them, if you start to drift, 
yank, it pulls you back. And you realize as you're sitting here, or as you're worshiping, or as you're in community group, or as you open your Bible to have time with Jesus on Wednesday morning, Lord, my heart drifted. Let me align my heart again so that you can grow me and I can bear fruit. So these practices that we're going to talk about this morning, they have to be done in faith. They cannot just be religious duty. Scripture tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So my religious duties do not please God. Faith pleases God. When I do practices in faith, they please God. Faith means that I am releasing my trust to God as I do these practices. That Jesus, as I open the word on Monday morning before work and as I pray, I'm trusting that I'm going to connect with your heart and that I'm going to grow. It's not just a religious duty. It's something we do in faith. Because scripture also tells us, you know, some people just want to live by faith and they don't want to have any practices that they feel quote-unquote bound to. But scripture also tells us that faith without works is dead. So there are things that we need to do to engage our faith so that we can be alive and not be dead and grow in our faith. So the practices that we do in faith grow us. So you, I really want you to hear that point, that they're not just practices without faith. It's as we engage our faith with God, with these practices, that we will experience growth in our lives. These practices are never to replace a grace-filled relationship with Jesus. But consider this phrase that I love. I, I quote this often. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. I want to say that again. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. So I might say, I want to have a life that is generous. But if I never am generous on a particular day, then I will not have a life that is generous. I might say, I want to be someone who, I want people to look back on my life when I'm gone one day and say, she loved her neighbors. But if I never reach out to my neighbors on a particular day, then I will not have a life that has loved my neighbors. You get what I'm saying? I want to have a life that I have walked with Jesus. But if I never spend time with Jesus on a particular day, then I will never have a life that was with Jesus. So we have to take these desires that we have for spiritual growth in our lives, and we have to attach them to something in practical, everyday life so that we can have a life that looks like what we want. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. You can apply that to so many things. You might say, I want to love my children well, but if you don't spend time with your children on a particular day, you can't have a life of loving your children well. You get it. It goes on and on and on. So if I'm serious about following Jesus and growing spiritually and walking out the Great Commission that he's given to all of us, go into all the world, make disciples, if I'm serious, then on a particular day, in 10 days, in 50 days, that needs to be happening in my life if I'm going to see that fulfilled. Practices are different than self-help. You know, our culture is sort of obsessed with this idea of self-help right now. And I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm anti-self-help. I think that there's actually a lot in scripture that teaches us how to take care of ourselves, how to have inner wholeness and health. It's very important. But the purpose of that is so that we can love God and love people. 
that is the purpose of helping ourselves or being help healthy. It's so we can love ourselves well so that we, uh, really the order is loving God so that we can love ourselves well and love others well. Um, it's ultimately for the good of others. So the practices that we engage in, they should be scriptural. And we're, the things we're going to look at today, are the practices that we want to encourage ourselves in, they are scriptural. Um, they should always encourage a lifestyle where they, where they're causing us to love God more and to love people more. Do you want to get a pack for them? Thanks. That's the way Jesus lived. He, he loved God. He loved people well. And there were practices that helped him to live that way. Have you guys heard of Stephen Covey? Uh, he's an author, and he wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this is a quote uh, from that book. He says, we achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. I'm going to say that again. We achieve inner peace, and who doesn't want inner peace? I know I want inner peace. We achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. So that's not a scripture. That's not a biblical quote. But for the believer, if our values are biblical, if our values are God's values, I would agree with that, that if our schedule can align to our values as believers, we will have peace. I think a lot of times we experience anxiety and turmoil because we say, I want to live that way. I want to have faith. I want to grow in the things of God. I want to be a loving person. I want to have these things that are goals, and yet we don't ever align our schedules with it, and that creates turmoil. If we can learn to align our schedules with our values, we will have more peace. I would think that for most of us here today, I know most of us that are in the room, and I would think that for most of us, we would say that our schedules do align to most of our, most of our schedule aligns to our values. I think for a lot of you, you would say that your schedule aligns to your values. Um, but the purpose of what we're looking at today is so that we maybe can identify, maybe there's an area of my life where my schedule does not align to my values, or maybe as we look at scripture today, and we say these are values that we should have, and we identify my schedule actually doesn't align, where we can see growth, okay? So that's the purpose of today, that we would say, I want to grow in this so that my schedule can align more through practices uh, to see spiritual growth. So let's look at some of these practices that I mentioned a moment ago. The first one I want to mention is personal prayer and scripture reading. Or you could, say, you could call it devotion, you could call it time with God, you could put uh, your own name on it. But we see this in the life of Jesus. As we study Jesus in the New Testament, his life was a continual being with his Father in prayer and being with people. That's what Jesus did. You see it over and over. He would say, the scripture says that he would go away and pray alone for a while. And then he would come back to his disciples or go minister to the people. Jesus understood. He was, he was God. He did miracles. But even Jesus understood that he needed to be filled by his father. Time with his father. How much more would we, as humans, <laughs> who are not God, need time with God to fulfill what he has called us to? Um, and I just want to encourage you, make it practical in your life. I heard someone say years ago, pick a time 
and a place in your home and stick to that. Even if on a particular day you literally only have five minutes to give to it, stick to it. And I put that into, in place in my life years ago, and it has helped me. I can't even tell you. I, I, don't, I don't know what I would do without that in place in my life. So for me, it's as simple as I stumble downstairs and grab a cup of coffee, and I sit in the same place at the same first moment of my day every day. In the winter, it happens to be on the couch where I have a big picture window, and Priscilla knows I can see the whole neighborhood. And I usually end up praying for a lot of my neighbors while I'm sitting there. In the summertime, now that it's warm enough, I'm on the back of our house in our sunroom because that's where I love to be. And I sit there first thing. I have my Bible. It's already there. I keep it there. I read scripture, and I talk to God. And sometimes, if I have the time, I might end up sitting there an hour. And sometimes, I literally only have five minutes. But I start every day with that anchor in place because if my heart has had a hard day over the past 24 hours or if I've gotten into doubt and fear or if I've messed up and yelled at my kids, I sit there in that moment and it yanks me back. That anchor that I've put in place in my life, it, it pulls me back into that sweet place with Jesus where I can grow. So that is a practice that we can put in place in our lives. The second one that I mentioned is assembling together. What we are doing today here on a Sunday morning, Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivate each other to love and good works. And then notice the next sentence. How are we going to motivate each other? Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. So the reason we come together is to motivate each other to love and good works. How are we going to motivate each other if we don't come together? So obviously there are times we can't be at church, right? we got to go on a trip or something comes up unexpected. So again, it's not legalism, it's not law, but it's an anchor in place in our lives so that we can grow through motivating one another. I like to use the analogy of a jar. If you imagine like a big mason jar, Think of assembling together on Sundays as a big rock that you put into that jar. And then you fill all the little rocks of all the other little bits and pieces of your life you poured into the jar. If you take all that out, dump the jar out again, and if I put all those little things in first, like I got to go shopping and I got to talk to my friend and I, I got to weed the stuff in my garden and oh my gosh I got to do that thing and, I, and put all those little rocks in and then you try to fit the big rock in of Sunday morning church it's not going to fit so what you have to do is you got to put the big rock in first and you know what all those little rocks they actually fit if you do it in that order but the the order of saying my life is going to be given to this practice this is going to lead my life rather than all these little distractions leading my life brings it all into place. It's a practice that will help us to grow spiritually. A third practice that I want to mention is Sabbath rest. So this is something that I think a lot of Christians overlook, to be honest. And I believe that God is restoring this to his church because it's something that he's designed for our good. And if we look at the pattern the first time Sabbath is mentioned in scripture is way at the beginning, at the very beginning, Genesis 1. 
where God created, Genesis 1-1, the very first verse of the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in the second chapter of Genesis, verses 2 and 3, it says, On the seventh day God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. So God, God is the one who created this cycle, even for himself. He practiced it, and he called it holy. Holy means don't touch that. That's what holy means. It means it's separate. It's for a purpose. And we should, I believe, we should create, we should treat Sabbath rest as holy. Yes, as New Testament believers, our lives are holy. Our whole lives are called into a Sabbath rest with God, in a sense. I believe that. But I believe that we are human. We are finite. We are not infinite beings, and we need rest. And we need to look at what God created, why he created that for us. Sabbath rest is one of the Ten Commandments, to honor the Sabbath. And the Sabbath does not just mean going to church. It doesn't just mean that. It, it's, uh, and Je- it, Jesus referred to it in Mark 2.27. He said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not people meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath it really is about meeting your needs. That's what the Sabbath is. Uh, we need to identify the different tanks in our life. You know, like you've got a relational tank, you've got a rest tank, you've got a enjoyment or fun tank. You've got these different tanks or buckets in your life, and sometimes those tanks get on empty. And we need to put things in place to make sure that those tanks get filled with relationship time, with play time, with rest, that we're not on empty. Because we're on empty, we're no good for God or anybody. We can't do what God's called us to do if we don't take time to fill our tanks. God has built this need into us that one day a week we need rest. Um, For a lot of people, Sundays do make sense for a Sabbath day. You know, coming to church and worshiping and then taking the rest of the day to be with family and friends or doing something you enjoy, a hobby, but choosing rest. When I choose to Sabbath, I am saying I am not God. When I choose to rest, I'm saying I can't do it all, and that's okay. So we need reminders in place in our lives that we have to rely on God and let go of some things and trust him and just rest. If a Sunday is not practical for you because of work, we're in that boat right now. Paul and I, you know, usually he's preaching on a Sunday usually, so he preaches, and then usually he goes and he does real estate. That's his other job. And usually he's got appointments lined up on a Sunday because that's a great day for clients. So Sunday is not a Sabbath day for Paul. So currently, our family, we take a Sabbath on a Friday. So Paul and I take the day off. We do things together. We usually go for coffee. We do projects. We, we do things that we enjoy. We rest. And if you call us or text us on a Friday, you might not hear back us till Saturday. You might not hear back from us till Saturday. And that's because we're intentional about our rest. And so I just encourage you to take a look at that in your life and evaluate that. And, and, you know, if you're retired, you might be in a different boat, maybe kind of Sabbath all week. I don't know. (laughs) But make sure 
it's actually really healthy. I mean, I know that work never ceases as long as you live. There's always work to be done. So it's really healthy to put aside one day where you're not going to work. You're going to rest. You're going to fill those tanks in your life. It's healthy. It's important. And I just want us to be healthy as a church. God wants us to be healthy. So some of the practices that we engage in, the ones I've mentioned so far, they're kind of like for my inner health, for your inner health, for your spiritual growth. Some of them are communal. Some of them are things that we do together um, that strengthen us as individuals, but they also strengthen the church. And I just want to read Acts 2.42 again. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And if you've been around Border City Church for a while, you know that we mention these four things often. This is where we get the rhythms of our calendar as a church from Acts 2.42. We devote ourselves to teaching that's happening right now where we all look at the word of God together. We devote ourselves to fellowship. We have fellowship before and after the service. We also have fellowship on Thursday evenings at Community Group this week, Wednesday. Um, We devote ourselves to sharing meals. We eat together a lot every week, including the Lord's Supper. We have communion around that meal as well, and a prayer. Those are the four things that make up our calendar as a church, and it's intentional on our part. It's our rhythms intentionally so that we can grow individually and so that we can grow as a church and be healthy. Um, As I mentioned earlier, the practices that we give ourselves to should help us to love God more and help us to love others as well. Some of the practices are really more designed to help you grow in loving your neighbor. Um, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the practices that I want to mention that helps us to grow in loving our neighbor is mentioned in Acts 2, 46, just down from the scripture where we got the four things from our rhythm. The same passage, a couple verses later, Acts 2, verses 46 and 47, it says, With one accord they continued to meet daily in the temple courts and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Listen to this. Listen to what happened when they made that a daily practice of meeting house to house and sharing meals. You know what happened? The Lord added to their number daily. Daily. They grew daily. New people came into the church every day when they devoted themselves to the practice of meeting from house to house. So you might say, we're doing that. Well, kind of. We're meeting at my house every week. And it doesn't just mean just the church either. Because that's what we're doing every week. The church is meeting at my house every week. It says that to their number daily, unbelievers were being added. So I have to believe that at these meals from house to house, there were people who were not a part of the church who were coming in and having these meals. And they were being added to the church. How are they being added to the church? Not by being invited to the temple, They were being added to the church as the church went from house to house sharing meals with one another. Let's let's think about that. That's a practical picture for us to put into practice. 
And I want to encourage us toward that practice this morning as a church. Romans 12, 13 actually commands us to practice hospitality, to practice it, to get good at it. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about hospitality in a moment um, so that you, so it doesn't freak you out. Because I think as Americans, a lot of times we're like, I can't have people in my house. No. It's not the only way to be hospitable. I'll get to that in a moment. But as I said, Romans 12, 13 tells us to practice hospitality. And if we want to grow in reaching the lost, we should take this seriously. Let's open our hearts to it. You opening your heart? I'm opening my heart more and more to this idea. The Greek word for hospitality, if you study it in the Greek, which is the language that New Testament was written in, the Greek word is philozenos. The literal translation is love of stranger, which is the opposite of xenophobia. You know, like you've heard of violence toward people groups, that's xenophobia. The opposite of xenophobia is hospitality. Isn't that beautiful? If we want to love people groups and love people well, hospitality is the opposite of that. So if that's the word used in the New Testament for hospitality, hospitality is not only about suppers with the church. It is suppers and meals for people outside the church. And it's good to have suppers with the church, but it's not for that only. In the New Testament, hospitality, by that definition, is a trait that's required for leadership. So I want to encourage us to establish rhythms that are intentional around these things. Um, Some of us have a lot of these practices already as habits in our lives that we've talked about this morning. Devotion time to God, assembling together. I believe we as a church need to grow in this practice of hospitality, of love of strangers. Um, And as I said, it's not limited to our homes, so we can take a deep breath. Hospitality can be expressed in a coffee shop when you invite someone to join you for a cup of coffee. Hospitality can be expressed at work in your cafeteria when you reach out to your friend and say, come sit with me. Let's talk and eat lunch together. Your hobbies and your interests can be a place of hospitality. You can start gathering friends to do something together that you enjoy and express welcoming in to that space to people. The idea is that we're welcoming in a stranger to become our friend and ultimately to become the family of God. That happens through hospitality. There's a Jesus kind of hospitality that we see in scripture. When I began to see some of these things a couple years ago, it, it just set my heart on fire for this idea of hospitality. When I began to see that Jesus used hospitality. In Mark 3.14, it says he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. And then he sent them out to preach after they were with him. Um, When his disciples first started walking with him, they came to the place where he was staying. That's one of the first moments that he met with his first disciples, into a home together. Um, When people were with Jesus, they became his followers. When people are with us, they will become his followers. But they need to be with us. And I want to encourage us, Border City Church, to apply that analogy of that tomato plant. John, if you'll put that tomato up again. Apply that analogy of the tomato plant that needs a trellis to grow in a particular area. We will not grow in practicing hospitality unless we put some things in place to grow onto, to grow in a specific direction. 
So here's a few ideas of what could be a lattice or a trellis for us to grow in hospitality. When you plan your week, plan something, one thing every week to do with someone outside of a church meeting and with someone who is outside of church. Every week, plan something. Could be a coffee, could be inviting someone to dinner, could be going for a walk. Someone that is not in church and outside of a church meeting. You can invite them to church too, but let's put these things into place. Here's another idea. If you pick up a bouquet of flowers at the store, consider picking up an extra one and giving it to your neighbor. If you make a batch of cookies or meatloaf, consider making an extra one and giving it to your neighbor. Some people are really good at doing this in the church. Do you know how much it means to someone, to a neighbor, if that you've thought of them and you made them something? It opens doors. It opens hearts. It shows love to people. We need to begin to practice it outside of the church as well. Here's another idea. Do you have an open night on your calendar? Consider hosting a casual get-together in your home with neighbors and say, hey, let's just hang out. You can even do it in your yard. And if you don't want to cook, order pizza. It means so much to people to be welcomed into friendship and family. So many people are hungry for that. And you know what? You might say, that's not the culture of my neighborhood. Change the culture. Priscilla and I live on the same street. And we've been kind of fierce about getting to know our neighbors. <laughs> and we've had a lot of them in our home. And Priscilla has told me that our street has been very closed. Like people would wave at each other friendly, but not, not coming into each other's homes, not getting together. So what we've been doing is not necessarily the culture, but we want to change the culture. We want to bring love and the kingdom of God into the culture. Don't be afraid to go a little bit against what the norm is to show the love of God and to bring the kingdom of God into your space. We should be known by our neighbors as the ones that love, as the ones that encourage, as the ones who invite. We should be known for our love and our faith. But I want to ask us this, are we known at all? Are we even known? Do they know our names? Do, we kn do they even know we exist? We have to know one another so that then we can become known for love. So this idea of the trellis, Let's grab hold of that thought, and we want to put something in place. I asked Paul if we could do this this week, and he said it would be fine. That just something to hold us accountable as a church this week in this area so that we can begin to grow a little bit in this area. Again, it's not law. It's an invitation to put a stake in the ground and say, this is the direction we're going to grow. So Paul said it would be fine if this week at community group that whoever wants to can share a decision that they've made this week to do something different in this area that's different than what they have been doing, that's something that they haven't done yet in this particular area of practicing hospitality um, so that we can grow in a particular direction together. So don't run away from community group this week now. You're not going to be forced to share anything, but for those who want to share something, we can encourage each other in this area. 
And I want to encourage you, all the other areas of practice that we talked about today, assembling together, uh, uh, devotion and prayer, and all the other areas that we talked about, Sabbath, if that's a new concept to you, reach. if you want to be accountable in that area, if you want to grow in that area, don't be afraid to ask a brother or sister, a friend, to hold you accountable. Say, hey, I want to grow. That's not something I'm doing. Hold me accountable. Like in a week or every two weeks, ask me, how's that going? Don't be afraid to reach out to that because we need that to grow. So that's what we're going to look at today. And the, the encouragement, again, are these two things, I think. These are the things that were heavy on my heart for us. That we would be engaging in practices, and these are not all the practices. There's many spiritual practices we, we can engage in. But that we would deliberately engage in spiritual practices to see spiritual growth in our lives. And second of all, I feel on my heart that we should give special attention as a church to growing in the practice of hospitality so that we can grow in that area and be a healthy, fruit-producing vine in that area as a church. Amen? Amen.